Do you have it? Does it have you? Oh, yes. Amen. I've got it. And I'm proud and happy that I've got it. Amen. I'm not boastful in the wrong way, but I want to boast in the Spirit today. Amen. Praise God. You look awesome today. Why don't you turn to somebody and smile at them and say, you look better than you did the last time I saw you. confession that I need to make this morning. I am a drug addict. It started a long time ago. Long, long time ago. I don't even remember when it actually began. But I was drugged to Sunday school. I was drugged to church. I was drugged to youth service, and as in the use of all drugs, I got addicted. Amen. (laughs) And it's an addiction that I'm proud of today. I'm addicted to the house of God, to the people of God. I'm addicted to the spirit of the Lord. I just can't live without it. There may be churches that want to eliminate this from their life, but I want to include it more and more and more and more and more and more. Amen. Praise God. What a great presence of the Lord. So grateful for all of our guests today. I I wish that you had a better preacher today, but I'm going to do my best. But if you have your Bibles for a few moments, I want to take you to the book of Acts chapter 2. We're going to read beginning with verse 1 down through verse number 12. And just as a little pretext to our reading, today is Pentecost Sunday. It is the day that we celebrate the initial outpouring of the Spirit of God in an unusual way in Jerusalem. And it should always be a celebration time. The reason you have sensed an exuberance in this building today is because there is an excitement that comes with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The infilling of God's Spirit brings with it a life-changing power. Anybody remember what you were before the Lord filled you? You remember how miserable you were? You remember how tough you, you how many mistakes you made? How wrong you got life? And then that day that the Lord filled you with His Spirit was a life-changing day. And I am thankful for that. And today, according to church history, is 
the birthday of the church. So if we're having a birthday party today, what do you do at birthday parties? You celebrate. Amen. Some of you didn't get that. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, we're having a party today. Celebrate with me. Amen. It's time to celebrate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the celebration got so out of hand that they, those that were looking on said, these men are drunk. So don't be surprised if somebody looks at you a little odd when you yield to the demonstration of the Spirit of the Lord. That's all right. Just explain to them why you feel so excited. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that promise that has come into your life? And it's continuing to fulfill its purpose. Amen. When the Spirit came, they celebrated. And they celebrated in such a way that men were curious as to why they were so uh, acting the way they were. And uh, it is a time for us to celebrate. I was just thinking, if we were having a birthday party today, and, and the guest had not arrived, and you know how you hide in the dark and wait till that moment somebody said they're here, and all of a sudden there's an eruption of noise. I wonder what would happen if we were just to take a moment and at the count of one, three, two, one, that we would just shout and make a noise to the Lord because this is a great day for us to celebrate. Amen. Would you do that? Three, three, two, one. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. get started before I get lost. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. That does not do it adequate. What is meant in the original text. There was such a powerful influx of the Spirit of God. And it filled all of the house. All of the house. Somebody say all of the house. All the house. I want that to happen today. All the house. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it set upon each of them And again, verse number three or four said, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say all of them were filled. Wouldn't that be awesome today? Amen. All of them were filled. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as 
the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, and Jews, and proselytes. It's quite a crowd. Amen. Cretes and Arabians, do we hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God? And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Amen. For a few moments today, I would like to talk to you about the meaning and the message of Pentecost. Amen. The meaning and the message. Everybody said amen. Amen. You're going to help your pastor preach. Say amen. Amen. You can be seated. Praise God. Some of you are going to have a great sigh of relief right now. You've been standing for 35, 40 minutes. And that's longer than you normally stand. At least in one place. Well, you didn't have to stand in one place. You could have got out, folks. Amen. Some of you feel like you're locked into the pew once you get there. It's holy space. Well, there's holy space all over this place. Amen. Contrary to what many think, Pentecost does not represent the birth of a denomination, but it marks the beginning of a divine movement of God's Spirit in a way that was never experienced before by mankind. So Pentecost is not a denominational bias. It is a spiritual truth. Amen. Somebody say it is a spiritual truth. Not a denominational bias. The original Pentecost was a celebration that dated back millenniums, back to when Israel came out of bondage. It was one of the three great festivals that the Jewish people celebrated. Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. These were the three solemn feasts that required that all males in Israel would come together they were required to come to Jerusalem. No matter where life had taken them, 
they were brought back to Jerusalem and they were required to appear before the sanctuary of the Lord. And it was a festival of good cheer. It was a day of joy and a day of thanksgiving for Pentecost was actually the celebration of the end of harvest. And it was their time to give thanks to God for all that He had done in providing them a good harvest. And they brought a part of that harvest as an offering to the Lord. And that celebration had gone on year after year for so many years. It had been a part of the fabric of the Jewish people. But on this day, some 2,000 years ago, it was transformed from a ritual to a revival atmosphere. And it was transformed by a transfusion of God's Spirit upon those that were waiting in an upper room in the city of Jerusalem. And on that day, Pentecost took on a new significance. It was not a memorial to celebrate as you would a ritual, but it was a recognition that God was operating in a new dimension and God was moving in a new way among mankind and He was making His tabernacle in the heart of man. God invaded their ritual and He turned it into a revival. And oh, the significance of that infusion of power I don't have time to go into but you have experienced that or those of you that have experienced know what I'm talking about there's nothing like the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost and there's nothing like what God has done through that spiritual encounter in my life and yours this was a Pentecost like no other. The week of weeks, as it was known, had come to an end in a fashion unlike any before. For this 50th day had been chosen by God to fulfill a long-standing promise that had been made for years by the prophets to Israel that there was coming a day when God would write His law upon the heart of men. And this day had finally come. The original Jewish significance of this festival would now be overshadowed by a celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And this Holy Spirit descended in answer to the explicit promise that God had made to His people. Pentecost is not merely a matter of church history. It is a spiritual experience that God wants every living human being to have. Somebody clap your hand and praise Him for that. So what 
does it matter that Pentecost has come? Well, look around in this building and just ask a few people what it matters that Pentecost has come. Now, I don't want to embarrass anybody today, so I'll be careful who I pick on. But if you were to ask this man right here what Pentecost means, he would tell you the significance of Pentecost is that it transformed a drug addict and an alcoholic into a living, clean, responsible human being that life has been changed because of that Pentecostal experience. It would tell you that somewhere in this area is someone that was bound by depression and darkness. But when they came to that altar and they began to repent of their sins, that the Spirit of God came in and took away the darkness and put in its place a light that has never gone out. Some of you squirming in your seat right now wondering if I'm going to pick you next. <laughs> Ask that person that was so proud that they were religious. Oh, let's not even go there. So proud of all of the religious things that they knew. But they didn't know the meaning of any of those religious things. Until they found themselves in an altar saying, God, I'm hungry for more. And God said, I've been waiting on this. Because now I'm going to give you an understanding of all those rituals and all of those things that you've been taught. And all those things that you believed have had no real meaning or depth to you. Because the Spirit is what gives life to that. And the Spirit is what gives purpose to that. So when you were filled with the Holy Ghost, all of you proud religious people found out that that was just an old way of looking at God. There's a new way of looking at God. And that He is not dead. He is not somewhere locked up in a law somewhere. But He is a living testament that's written in my heart every day of my life. And it is a law that guides my life and directs me. I better get off of that. Just turn around to somebody in a little while and ask them what Pentecost has meant to them. You might be shocked at what you find out. Some of these holy people sitting around you that look so prim and proper didn't used to look that way. I wish I had some before and after pictures up here. I could show you what I'm talking about. Some of you still have a wallet with that old picture in it. Long hair, just, you know, looking just like a wild man from nowhere. I'm not, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but some, I've seen some of those pictures. Yeah, I've seen some of those pictures. And they look pretty rough. I wouldn't have wanted to meet you in a dark alley, for sure. Yeah. But now, oh, I don't mind hugging your neck. I don't mind embracing you because I found a brother. I found a sister because they've been transformed by the power of what a Pentecostal experience can do in their life. And everybody needs to know that experience. 
Who needs Pentecost? Who needs Pentecost? Everybody. You say, oh no, not everybody. Because I believe God and, and, and the disciples believed. Yeah, they did. But they also went to Pentecost. Their life wasn't complete. Their belief wasn't complete until they had experienced what God was going to do for them on the Pentecostal Sunday or that Pentecostal day, whenever that was. So here's what I mean by that. Those who experienced the first outpouring, they had been called to be his disciples, but that wasn't enough. They had heard the wisdom of his teaching, but that wasn't enough. They had heard and seen the miracles that he had performed, but that wasn't enough. They had taken communion with him, but that wasn't enough. They were even witnesses to his crucifixion, but that wasn't enough. They saw him after his resurrection, but that wasn't enough. He had even breathed on them, received the Holy Ghost, but that wasn't enough. That was just a prelude to what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. They all needed, somebody say they all needed a Pentecostal experience to fulfill all of those other things that they had done. Amen. Somebody said, well, I believe. That's all I need. Well, the Bible said, if you believe, you'll speak with new tongues. Hey, that's Bible. That's Bible. You can read it. It's in Mark, 16th chapter. It's still in there. You can't erase it. You can't write it out. Amen. If you believe, you'll speak with new tongues. Well, I joined the church, yeah? They joined too. They joined to be a disciple. But joining a church doesn't do you any more good than me standing in a barn calling myself a horse. I got to change my nature to become a horse. Yeah. So it's more than just claiming something. It's understanding what that really represents. And that was the fulfillment of Pentecost. It brought to fulfillment everything that had been promised to them in the Old Testament. Somebody said, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. The first effect of Pentecost was that it produced wonder and awe. They could not understand fully what has happened and what was happening. But Peter took time to explain to them what was taking place. Pentecost completely changed those that were in that upper room. The endowment of power from on high had transformed a Simon Peter who wasn't sure of himself to a man who stood boldly and declared the gospel. And I could go down the line of all of those that were transformed by the endowment of the power. Not only did it change them physically and spiritually, but it changed them in their inner man. There was an apprehension 
of truth that began to flow into their lives. Because the scripture says that when the spirit of truth is come and he was talking about the Holy Ghost, that spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. So when Pentecost came, it changed the inner man and it changed their apprehension of truth. It changed a person from being convinced to equipped. There's a big difference, my friend. Amen. There's a great difference from being convinced of something to being equipped with something, empowered from on high, endued with a power that is not of yourself, an experience of the Spirit outpouring in your life is mightier than any argument that I know that could be brought against it. And you this morning that have been filled are testimonies to all of the critics and all of the naysayers that it cannot happen. I'm here to declare that it did happen. I said it did happen. Is there anybody else in the building that will declare it did happen? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So let's talk about the meaning of Pentecost. It simply means that God kept His promise. That God, who had begun to do a work, was now bringing it to full fruition. Isaiah 44, 3, 2 and, or 3 and 4 says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my Spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the watercourses. Isaiah 28 and 11 said, For with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherein he may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing Yet they would not hear. Ezekiel 36 and 26 said, A new heart will I give you, and a new spirit will I put in you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statute, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Joel 2.28 And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my Spirit. The day of Pentecost was simply a fulfillment of what God had promised through the ages that God meant that the waiting is now over. You don't need to wait another day. The promise has come. I said the promise has come. The Spirit has been given. It means that the Spirit of God is available to everybody. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, it's for you. Come on, say it. It's for you. It's for everybody. It means that the Spirit of God has come and made itself available for everybody. It means, listen to me, it means that anybody, 
Somebody say anybody. 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 Not just who you think. Not just the ones that you think. But anybody. And everybody. Anywhere. At any time. (laughs) Can be one who experiences what happened on this beautiful day. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. We were in revival one time. I told you this before in East Texas. And it was a good old-fashioned East Texas church, pretty deeply rooted and pretty uh, rooted in its feelings about who could be saved and who couldn't be saved. And everybody that came through the doors was kind of judged by what they looked like. And people had their little checkbook list and, and, and they see somebody walk through and they, nope, not them. Nope, not them. Nope, not them. One night, I don't even know how they found out. I guess they were riding by and they heard all the noise, but a group of motorcycle riders. And I mean, they were, it was a motorcycle gang, basically. And uh, they come pulling in, and right as church started, they marched all the way down to the front and sat on the front row, all of them. Chains hanging off. Them bike boots that some of the clothes they were wearing didn't look like they'd been in a washing machine or even near water in a long time. Scraggly. You could feel the air sucked out of that room. Ah, <gasps> dare you. The problem was they had an evangelist that didn't know God was restricted to certain people. Yeah. And so I preached to them. And lo and behold, at the end of the preaching, they came to the altar. And again, that sucked the life out of some of them. They'd never seen anything that unclean around the holy altar in their lifetime. Everybody they'd ever seen had passed their, their, all their little checkoff. You know, they had all these credentials. And God filled them with the Holy Ghost. And we baptized several of them that night. <laughs> And the next night they came back and came right back up on the front row. They'd never been churched. I mean, they'd never been schooled in church orthodoxy. You know how we say, hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And we got that little vibrato, glory to God. They hadn't been coached in all of that. They didn't know our vernacular. All they know is that something had happened the night before that had turned their life around and had changed them from the inside. Something had happened in their life that had made a difference greater than drugs or alcohol or the illicit lifestyle they'd been living. It had transformed them into new creatures. 
And I still remember the first one that jumped up and shouted, Praise Jesus! It reversed the shock. You can see, I thought we were going to have a cardiac arrest by half the congregation. Now I know some of you got your little pie smile. But some of you have a checklist. If somebody you don't like comes down to the altar, you don't think God will forgive them or you don't think God has a right to forgive them. But he said, I came for everybody. I want everybody. I want everybody. I want everybody. I want everybody. So what is the message of Pentecost? The message of Pentecost is I want everybody. Amen. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on your sons and daughters, on your old men and your young men, on your handmaids, your servants. He, he just included the whole menagerie of culture and society. It didn't matter what strata of life you were on. God is not limited by whatever your genetic makeup is. God is not limited by your background. He's not limited by whatever the world has limited you by and said, no, they, they, they're never going to be a candidate for living for God. I'm just here to tell you that when God comes, uh, He's coming for everybody. He wants to touch everybody. He wants to fill everybody. He wants to save everybody. He wants to help everybody. Praise the name of the Lord. The message of Pentecost is that they were gathered together in an upper room. Now God could have chosen to have poured out His Spirit individually on them anywhere they were at any time. And God does do that. But God more often likes to do it when there is a corporate gathering of His people. Amen. The promise had come. And it means that the Spirit is available. And it means that anybody and everybody can have it. But God loves corporate worship. And God loves to do great things when we gather together. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. The second meaning of Pentecost or the second message of Pentecost is that it fell on each of them. There were no favorites with God. And I know I've already kind of touched on this, but there were no favorites with God. There was nobody in that room that had more favor than the other. There was nobody in that room that God had put above anybody else. God just said, I'm going to pour it out on all of them. Whether they are worthy or they're not worthy, they're still here and they're seeking me, so I'm going to do it because... They are seeking after me. You see, you don't have to come to God with a perfect pedigree. God can fill you no matter what the marks on your life have been. He comes for everyone. There were 120 that we know of. Of that 120, we know at least 11 of them 
were his disciples. We also know that Jesus' mother, Mary, and the woman caught in the act of adultery and the blind beggar were probably there. And there were others, the lepers, perhaps some of them had made it to that upper room. There were others that we don't even know about that the Lord had touched in his journey and he had made a mark on their life that had changed their attitude and changed their spirit. And so they come into this upper room and they had come from all kind of ethnic background and they had come from all kind of different upbringings. But when they got in that room, all that God saw was one need. They all need me. That's what God sees. He doesn't see my color. He doesn't see my education. He doesn't see my qualifications. He just sees my need. And he said they need me and I am going to fill them. Pentecost challenges the idea and the attitude that divides. The Spirit of the Lord unites. You hear me right now. The Spirit that is working in our world right now is the Spirit of Antichrist because it is the Spirit of division. When the Spirit of the Lord comes, the Spirit of the Lord unites. It brings together of all races. There's no Jew or Gentile. There's no barbarian. There's, there's, there, there's no Grecian or, or there's no Roman. It doesn't matter where you came from. What matters is that you got here in the right place and now is the right time for God to do something wonderful and supernatural in your life. I need to say this and I want you to understand me when I say it. The Spirit of the Lord is colorblind. It is not only colorblind, it is blinded to my giftings and my abilities. It is blinded to my record. It is blinded to all of my faults and all of my shortcomings. It is blinded to my personal limitations. It is blinded to whatever my past has been. When I come to the altar, when I come to Him, the Spirit of the Lord is blind to all of that. The only thing He sees is a soul that I need to save and a heart that I need to fill. And it doesn't matter that you might have been a murderer or you were an adulterer or you were a fornicator or you were a drug addict or an alcoholic or whatever you were in your past life. When you come to an altar, there's somebody waiting on you. There's Somebody to fill you that doesn't matter what your past has been. He wants to change that and give you a future worth living for. I, I gotta hurry. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna skip it. The last thing, and this is the thing that the Lord has impressed so deeply upon me. The Bible says they were astonished when they heard them speaking in their own language. Now, I know that people have taken that and they've tried to twist that to mean something that it doesn't. But this is what the Lord spoke to me. They heard them speak in their own language. 
When I read that this week, the Lord spoke to me and said, I know how to speak your language. I know how to speak your language. It doesn't matter what your language is. Some of us have a language that has been influenced and affected by our upbringing. God wants to give you a new language. Yeah. He wants to give you a new tongue. Woo! Yeah. He doesn't care that your language is fear. He doesn't care that your language is doubt. He doesn't care that your language may be uncertainty. He knows how to speak your language. He knows how to get down on your level. He knows where you're coming from. He knows your background. He knows every detail about your life. And He knows how to talk to you in a way that will get your attention. I'm amazed sometimes at how God works. I've seen it in this church here. Times that you preach and you think, oh my Lord, I I did such a terrible job and I didn't do a very adequate job of, of preaching the word. And then you notice somebody over here on the side, they're just broken and they're weeping and they're reaching out to God and God's doing a work in their life. And you wonder, well, what what did they get out of that? I'll tell you what they got. God knows how to take what I'm saying and transforming it into your language so that it, it speaks to who you are and where you are because all of us have our own little language that we speak. We all have our own individuality. But God knows how to speak to me as an individual, whether I'm a I'm a brilliant thinker and I'm educated and I have all of these doubts. God still knows how to speak to the doubter. God still knows how to... He said, hey, if you need to know, just stick your hands. Go ahead. Touch me, Thomas. You're the doubter. You're the original doubter. If you doubt me, come and just touch me and see what happens when you touch me. So for all of you doubters that are in here that you don't think it can happen, I dare you to do one thing. Just reach out and touch him and see what happens when you do touch him. I promise you, he's going to turn and touch you. God knows how to speak your language. I have preached... For, whoo, I've been preaching, believe it or not, for right at 50 years, over 50 years. I've had license as a minister for 47 years. Now, I started young. I was only four years old when I got started. (laughs) I was a prodigy. (laughs) No, they said I was a weirdo. That's what they really said, not a prodigy. Prodigy sounds a whole lot better. I have preached to people and preached to people and preached to people and never could reach them. And some visiting preacher comes in or Brother Landon gets up and preach or some James gets up and preach and lo and behold, they 
touch somebody that I've been trying to touch for for long. I'm thinking, God, what in the world? God said, I know how to speak their language. And sometimes it takes a different voice to be able to get to where that heart is and speak to them in a way that will draw them to an altar and to a place where he can do something in their life. And this is the bottom line. This is the simplicity of the whole story of Acts chapter 2. Is that if you will get yourself in the right place and put yourself in the right posture, God will speak to you and through you and in you and out of you His glory and His promises. He will fill everyone. Come on, stand to your feet right now. Let's praise Him together. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. 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 Praise God. Oh, yes, Lord. Your spirit is here right now. You desire to do it all over again, Lord. You want to fill somebody. You want to refill somebody. You want to fix somebody. You want to help somebody. You want to heal somebody. You want to deliver somebody. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, my God, my God, my God. I believe this is a day that everyone, everyone, everyone can be filled. Everyone. Amen. If it's been a long time since you have felt that wonderful flow of God's presence in your life. God's here to refresh that. Amen. God's here to renew that. If you've had a good touch from the Lord already, God said, hey, I've got a little more. If you're, if you're ready for a little more, I'll, I'll do a little more. Amen. Wherever you are, whatever condition, whatever state in life, whatever place you're in, if you're a doubter or if you're an unbeliever, come on. Come on. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, come on. I want you to all come because we're going to close this service together at an altar. We're going to give God an opportunity to do again what He's done in times past. We're going to give Him the opportunity to fill us, refill us, strengthen us, renew us, revive us, refresh us. Come on. Come on. I won't take but a minute. Come on. Come on. The Spirit of the Lord wants to touch you today. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord. I need all of our ministers to help me this morning. Would you come? All of our ministers, come on. Come on, move among these and pray with me. God wants to pour out His Spirit today. God wants to renew and revive somebody today. He wants to take somebody beyond just mere belief into an experience. Oh, yes. Come on. Yeah. Yes. Holy Ghost, come today. 